You're listening to In the Studio with Michael Card. The session is made possible by our friends with the Christian Standard Bible. Learn about this new translation and the many ways you can enjoy the CSB. Explore online when you visit csbible.com. Thanks for listening now. This is In the Studio with Michael Card, and I'm Wayne Shepherd. And Mike, we don't make any secret of the fact that while we used to get together face-to-face to do these programs for many, many years, uh, now we do them via Zoom most often. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I miss those times of fellowship, but it is great to see your face, at least on the camera here today. Well, I mean, you and I get to, well, we got together this week at Stevie Waltrip's house, so I did get to see you then. But uh, yeah, Zoom, Zoom is okay, but it's not... Uh, it's not the next best thing to being there. Right. Occasionally, I get to the Nashville area, and whenever I do, I like to pop in and see you. And as you said, uh, we, we recorded a segment we're going to hear in a few moments with our friend Stevie Waltrip, and we'll, we'll uh, talk about that more in, uh, when we get there in just a few moments here in the podcast. But mm-hmm. I also want to talk about our featured resource, which is the CSB Experiencing God Bible this, of course, is based on the work of Dr. Henry Blackaby, who's been so dear to all of us for many, many years. And, you know, pray for Henry at this time. Um, he's, as I understand it, living with his uh, son and one of his sons, and uh, his wife passed away recently. Yeah, he has been, he has been uh, such a resource uh, to the church and for so long. Um, you know, he's got, this, he's got the scholar's mind and the pastor's heart, which is such a, a rare combination. Right. Yeah. Our featured resource, the CSB Experiencing God Bible. You can check that out at csbible.com. More about that later. Well, here's what's going to happen today. We're going to hear some more of your teaching from the Cove. That's coming up in the second half of our program, the Walk with Jesus series. We'll focus on Jesus' encounters with the Pharisees in Luke's Gospel. So that's ahead here in the second half of our podcast today. But the first thing we're going to do today is hear that interview with Stevie Waltrip. Uh, Why don't you take a moment and introduce Stevie to our audience, Mike? Well, in the first place, Stevie is my wife's best friend, and uh, she is the wife of Daryl Waltrip, uh, the NASCAR. I think he's the most, uh, the winningest driver in NASCAR history. Uh, and <laughs> but the most important thing about Daryl and Stevie is that they are very open and uh, and vocal about their faith. They started a motor racing outreach, a chapel service at the races. Uh, they are. Both really remarkable people. Yeah. And Stevie was with you in Israel, and we're going to talk with her about that trip in just a moment. But before we do, let's go to a song that was recorded in Israel at Bethany called Praise to the Lord. Praise to
Mike, let's talk about the most recent trip to Israel mm -hmm. that you took. We've spoken about it here on the program before, but uh, we're going to do so with a very special guest today. Yes. I'm guessing that the most fun you have is when someone who's never been to Israel before joins you on the trip. Absolutely. To see someone else see the Sea of Galilee for the first time or Capernaum or whatever, yeah. that... That is that's uh, an incredible experience for me. That that uh, really makes it for me. And and uh, the the young woman we're going to talk to here in just a second <laughs> is uh, really my wife's best friend. Uh -huh. And to be there and to see her see the Sea of Galilee for the first time, it, it made the whole trip. Stevie Waltrip, welcome. You were a newbie on the trip to Israel with Mike. I was, and it was. I've told so many people, aside from um, family happenings, births of babies, births of <laughs> grandchildren and marriage, um, this was the most meaningful trip, meaningful anything that I've ever done. Mm. It was, and I wouldn't have done it. Uh, I, for years, I wanted Daryl and I to do it together, and then I saw Mike in the spring and he encouraged me to do this. And uh, at 72, it took a little bit of encouragement, but not a lot because Mike was going to be on the, on the tour with us. So that I, I can't tell you how special it was to share that kind of event with Mike Card. And, and we've been friends since the early 80s. Mm -hmm. So um, it was... It was uh, it was so meaningful and wonderful. That's a lot of fun to hear. I saw you a few weeks here in your home uh, before the trip, and I would say you were just a little apprehensive at that time <laughs> about the trip. Is that fair? Oh, yeah. yeah? Um, you know, that's a long way to go when, you leave your, <laughs> when you're leaving your whole family behind mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and, and wondering how your husband's going to possibly take care of himself <laughs> and feed the dog and the cat. Let's and be honest, that was the that. big concern, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. He can drive a race car, but, you know, that's right. cooking that's an right. egg, huh? <laughs> so it was a little daunting, and it was a long trip, but... Uh, you had a couple was, of friends with you, too, though. Yes, that, that yes. Helped. I had yeah. two or three dear friends uh, with me, Susie Comer and Lisa Allen and her husband, Jimmy. Good. And uh, we all were together, and, and then at the other end, there's Mike uh, waiting for us. I was so. waiting for you. I was there when you got there. <laughs> you were. And it was, it was just yeah. truly wonderful. Yeah. So, Mike, what's the goal when someone like Stevie comes along and they're wide-eyed landing in Israel? What? Well, the, the overall goal for me, uh, one of the things we, we say is we're not there to collect chill bumps. Oh, this is the actual place where you, we don't do that. But what I want, I want wanted Stevie to to, to experience is that here's the Sea of Galilee. Now you got that in your head. Here's Capernaum. Here's Bethsaida. Here's what whatever. Here's Jerusalem. Now you have that in your head. When you read it in Scripture, you can kind of be there. That to me is the mm -hmm. big the big mm -hmm. plus. Mm -hmm. You it just is. have a feel. You know you know how far it is now from Jerusalem to Galilee. You right. drove that on the bus. Right. Jesus walks that three times. You know we try to stress that Jesus right. walks this three times a year. Yeah. It's a long way mm -hmm. in a bus. Takes, what was it six day? What was the? It, it would take him six to ten. Six no, to no, ten scholars days. don't agree, but 
I just rounded up to 10. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm going to agree with you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, so what happens, it ends up three months out of every year, Jesus is walking back and forth to Jerusalem. But we, we did that drive, so that was pretty cool. You saw the Jordan where he was baptized. Remember that? Yeah, that was cool. I do. Yeah. And, one, uh, and that was really meaningful because uh, Daryl and I were reading uh, the first chapter of John the other day. And we read it out loud, and I could hardly get through it because of the picture. It was a real picture. It wasn't my imagination. Oh, it was wow. the real picture yeah. of the Jordan River and just thinking about the Word becoming flesh and walking across the the terrain over to John the Baptist, who's been waiting for him and anticipating his coming and, and seeing the Jordan River and and uh, and and that and Michael brought up at, at one of our um, gatherings that uh, he didn't come to be baptized the same way we do. He came to be baptized to show his authority. Mm-hmm. What well, I, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was it was learning things that I've never thought about, and uh, and then getting a picture of 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 his world which was so amazing. Hmm. And then close by is the wilderness. Yeah. And he walked from the Jordan River after being baptized, uh, following the Spirit into the into the wilderness. And that was just, I, I mean, I, I don't know if you can hear the emotion in my voice right now, but it's there. It's emotional for me to be able to put, uh, to, to have a mental picture of, of reality, and it'll stay with your whole it life will. too. Well, yeah. and we went. Then we went to the wilderness. I dropped you off. I left you in the wilderness you for did. like an hour. I, what? Yes, <laughs> and 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 you're thinking, what was this like? Because the terrain, I'd never seen terrain like that before in my life. Hmm. And they're they're huge. I guess they're mountains and hills, and it's it's smooth. Yeah. And so Jesus had no way of getting out of the sun, hmm. which is uh, treacherous in the summertime, I understand, and then uh, then no way to get out of the wind and the cold or anything else. So it, it just gave you a visual what that um, what that experience for him was mm-hmm. really like. Yeah, and that's in your head. It that's, is. That's the whole point. It is. And will be for life, as yeah. I said. Yeah. That's that's yeah. that's that's really the number one takeaway, isn't it, it Mike? Yeah, it really is. And then when 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 you read about him going into the wilderness. Okay, I've got. When you read about him, we cross the lake in that boat. We we'll see a Galilee. Right. Well, now you know how far that is. Yeah. And of course, we had a motor on our boat. So Wait a minute, was... you got in the boat? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, we we <laughs> yeah. did a boat. We took a boat across Sea Galilee. Yeah. And and that was another thing that that was really special too. Uh, well, everything about it was special, but uh, the morning after we got to what was that place? down in Galilee where we stayed. And give. And give. And uh, so I'd gotten up before breakfast and walked out of my room to see the Sea of Galilee in the sunlight for the first time. And nobody was out there. It was quiet. And and you could hear the, the, the water, the waves, just small waves, but lapping against the shore 
And you'd look across, and and then Michael came. I don't know how he knew I was out there. <laughs> well, I or do maybe the same. Didn't. Well, I do the same thing when I'm there. I walk. I, t- I walk along the shore in the yeah, morning. So I ruined your devotional so, time. No, 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 you didn't because he's. he's <laughs> well, actually, you did. I did. <laughs> I, I snuck up behind her and I said, "I'd rather be dead than red on the head." <laughs> <laughs> so, so he's pointing out across the Sea of Galilee, the the place where. Um, Jesus uh, uh, told the the demons to leave the mm-hmm. man that yeah. was, you know, uh, gathering the, demoniac. Yeah, 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 yeah. and uh, and where the pigs had jumped in the water, and then he's pointing out um, the Mount of Arbel, and and just right. Yep, and we we and, went up on the Arbel. Yes, we climbed oh, it. That was that yeah. was one of my favorite things. Was Why? climbing this Mount of Arbel. And it was it was a beautiful vista. If you didn't know anything about what you were looking at, you would appreciate the vista in the first place. But mm-hmm. knowing that you're looking down on on the shore of the Ga- of Galilee, and you're seeing Magdala and Bethsaida, yep, and his, where his Capernaum or Capernaum, Capernaum, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway. Um, you saw where Jesus's main ministry was, yeah. and it, it was just breathtaking. Yeah. And then, then to have Michael, uh, another spot on that on on that mountain, we ha- we sang, and we had a Bible teaching, and just to experience that with an old dear f- friend, mm. and uh, and and other friends was just an amazing thing. You had a personal rabbi. Uh, yes, yeah. yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and Mike, we've talked before how you like to keep the group uh, a little Small. smaller, a little mm-hmm. more intimate, and I think we're seeing the benefit of that to hear Stevie talk about how yep. personal it was. To we her. have meal fellowship together. We'd have devotionals together, and we everybody kind of gets to know everybody, right? Yeah. And we had a camel ride together. Oh, oh, yeah, that, yeah. yeah. Talk about okay, that. I want to okay. talk about the camel. All right, all right. Do you remember his name? <laughs> No. Pistachio. Oh, that's the, right. The that's camel's right. name was Pistachio. And the one Did he have after a hard that outer was shell or uh, what? Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> but the one I met and Wait rode a minute. was um, Pistachio. A camel named Michael. Oh, really? <laughs> I have to ask about the moonwalk. You know. Oh no. no. Camel doesn't do the moonwalk. <laughs> okay. But yeah, Pistachio. Yeah. I, well, I didn't have to talk. That's a, oh, that's a cool thing about Stevie. Stevie's game to try anything. I go, come on. Here's the camel. Okay. Before I know it, she's sitting on this camel, and he stands up, and it's like sitting on the roof of a house, isn't it? I've ridden horses, well, not lately, but as a kid and yeah, growing up. Sure. And this was like no other ride I'd ever had. And getting, I mean, he's, lay, he's not laying down, but he's kneeling down. Yes, yeah. on, I mean, it's all, he's all curled up. <laughs> so he's, he, so you get up on him and, and Mike's saying, you got to hold on, you got to yeah. hold on. So I'm holding on for dear life. And so you tip forward. Right. His back leg is going to I mean, yeah. if you're not holding on, you're going to go off. Right. <laughs> and so then, then he tips, you know, gets his front part up yeah. and then, then the back part. But it was uh, it was so fun. Yeah, yeah. that was it cool. Was so I want to see photos. I've, I've, I've got, got photos. It. I've got to see photos yeah, yeah. of that. Yeah. So. And Daryl's, Daryl's at, at, Michael sent him a, a, a picture. I'm constantly sending him pictures <laughs> oh, while we're okay. there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
And, uh, and his thing so, was, was this a good idea? Know, was that really yeah, a good yeah. idea? <laughs> she doesn't look good. <laughs> yeah, you're right, right. She doesn't look good. And she's sitting on a camel going, I'm, no, I'm going like yeah. a cowboy. What doesn't look right. good? <laughs> oh, what fun. Yeah. yeah oh, what a, what a great time together, huh? Yeah, was, and to do it, after, you know, you, as you said, you've been friends for a long time. Yeah. yeah. And you've learned so much from this guy. We all yeah. do. Yes. And uh, to have that, oh, that Michael, intense experience. Yes, he went. Sorry, I interrupted no, you. No, no, you're fine. Michael went with uh, us to several races. So th- he was at the actual racetrack watching all I've the action. I've seen their world. Okay. Yeah. So it, even when Daryl was driving, yes, you mean? Yes, oh yeah, yeah. Oh. that's when he went. Oh yeah, Daryl was really? driving. No, you never told me that. Oh, it was something else. And, it was uh, something else. And it, but but I took Michael. In in my it, it, he he came with me on trips where he was not physically there, but he his music oh. and I would listen to Michael hmm. while Daryl drove yeah. and um and uh, Michael's music I'd have Daryl in one ear <laughs> and Michael in the other and you were part uh, of the crew the race was, crew yeah. yes yeah. And that, she keeps track of the gas consumption. Yeah. yeah. We, she told and, me that story. Uh, Stevie oh, yeah. did an interview with me on my radio show and mm-hmm. told me the story. And I want you to talk more about what you told me then about the influence of Mike's uh, music uh, ministry the okay. first time you heard Mike. We don't, oh, need, the, we don't need to talk about yes, that. Yes, we do. Uh, Daryl and I, we missed most Sundays at home because of his occupation. So we started going to a church uh, here in Nashville for the first time. Uh, started going to a, you know, a tr- church together. So mm-hmm. we'd been married 10, 10 years, and uh, and Mike happened to s- come out and and sing that day, and Daryl and I were like, we were so blown blown away by this man's music, mm-hmm. his voice. Uh, we and both of us are like I, we've never heard anything so beautiful, and, and both of us are saying this, and uh, uh, so we got his, we got to meet he and, and Susan, uh, and and then you know we start getting his uh, albums at the time and CDs. I don't know if we had CDs or that was album back in then. Yeah, 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 sure. And uh, anyway, so we would listen to his music, and this is. I grew up up in a church that that uh, you didn't really get taught. I mean, they believed in the Bible, but anyway, my my, I was very ignorant. I loved to, you know, I I, I, I guess at the time I liked the Lord, but um, uh, but I was real ignorant, Daryl too, about uh, things that Michael would sing about. So he sang about Simeon in one of his songs. And uh, we're like, who is Simeon? <laughs> and so it caused us to uh, to when we got we were driving to uh, uh, Talladega, and when we got there, I'm running around trying to find a Bible to find out who Simeon is. So it, the point is, he he's he's broadened our yep. our knowledge and our perspective and our love for Jesus Christ. Uh, I think it's because of Michael. That we we could both say now that we love Jesus, we don't just like him, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, so I would take him along with me, and he would help because some of the races were um, you 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 anticipate it. in those days the cars weren't safe yeah. like they are yeah. now. It's an intense and so experience. Daryl would I just heard him say this the other day. 
he would get in a race car, depending on where we were, Daytona, Talladega, some of the tracks are more um, uh, dangerous than others, but, uh, and he, he would wonder, am I, am I going to get out of this race track, uh, race wow. car alive? Mm. And he just told me that. <laughs> and I'm thinking yeah. all these years, well, he's so confident and he doesn't think about those, those <laughs> things. But anyway, in fact, he did. So yep. I did, and I would take Mike with me to listen you know, to his his scripture in song. It's a wonderful testimony, it really is. And and they also started a ministry there, uh, motor, motor motor racing, racing. outreach. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they have it. They they started a chapel service at the races. I went to some of those too, and they were incre- pretty yeah. incredible. Yeah. They had a chaplain who would you know teach, do like a Sunday school or like a, a lesson. Yeah. Um, so they they really put their put their money where their mouth was. Yeah. So wonderful to know all this is based on years of friendship and mm-hmm. learning from each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I know you've learned from Mike, and Mike, I'm guessing you've oh, learned a lot. Most definitely. From Stevie and Daryl as well. So. We'll have to talk about that yeah. later. <laughs> well, they and, might not be things you can talk well, about. And here, here's my, kind of, here's my, parting, my parting image of uh, like being being uh, down in the pit area with Stevie walking to where, where their pit was. It's like people parted. Like It was like the Red Sea <laughs> because there, there was just so much respect for sure. her. Sure. And everyone's greeting her. And at one point, I, I go, you say, hey, Mario. And it was like, no, Mario. It was like Mario Andretti or somebody like that. <laughs> and he is in awe of Stevie. I'm like, what, what is happening? What just happened? So, uh, yeah, I'm with her. We're uh, friends. Uh. <laughs> I think he had his rose-colored glasses on that day. <laughs> on the Sea of Galilee, fighting through the storm. All alone and so afraid and wishing I was home And wishing I was home Thunder roll and lightning crash Waves are rolling high Thinking about my wife at home And so afraid to die I'm so afraid to die Jesus, you can see me You know right where I am Only you can save me For I'm a sinful Out through the raging storm And what do my eyes see? But Jesus walking on the waves And calling out to me And calling out to me Can't you see it's only me? Don't you be afraid Come on Peter, walk to me Step out upon the wave Step out upon the wave Jesus, you can see me You know right where I am Only you can say On the raging wave and kept my eyes on him But every time I looked away I started sinking in I started sinking in Just as I was losing hope Jesus took my hand Tell me Peter where's your faith You know I'll help you stand Only I can help you stand Jesus you can see me You know right where I am Only you can say
walk on water, Michael Carr. Thank you, Michael. And by the way, you got to show me that photo sometime of Stevie on that camel. I want to. I want to see that. <laughs> yeah, she was having a. She was having a good old time. That's for sure. This camel's name was Pistachio. <laughs> hey, let's uh, look at a couple of comments we've received from listeners, and thank you so much for contacting us either through Facebook at Michael Card Music or via email in the studio at michaelcard.com. We have this note from Brianna. You want to read this one, Mike? Sure. If you don't know Jesus as a servant, you don't know him. I've heard you mention this before, and in the past it prompted me to ask myself, in what ways? There are so many. This series is great. Thanks for sharing these. Also, it was nice to hear those Israel recordings again. There were some beautiful harmonies and voices, especially during Holy, Holy, Holy. Well, well, thank you, Brianna. Yeah, I really do believe if if you don't know Jesus as your well, that's basically what he says to Peter when he's washing his feet. You know, P, uh, Jesus is washing Peter's feet, and Peter says, "You you know, you ought not to be doing this." And uh, in essence, Jesus says, "If you don't get this, you don't get me. This is who I am." So, I think that's an, an important idea. If you don't know Jesus as your servant, you don't know him because he's our servant, Lord. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here's another note from uh, someone who says they're a longtime fan in Michigan, Sue. I just heard on another show that the Jews Jesus healed were told not to say anything, not the right time, controlling the crowds, etc. But to the Gentiles he healed, he did not restrict them from speaking. Any thoughts on this? Yeah, I think that's it's clear because what happens is Jesus will tell them not to tell, and usually they tell. <laughs> and uh, he's so covered up with people who just want healing, that he's driven to the wilderness. So the, it's really clear to me why uh, it, it's called the messianic secret. It's really clear why he he's not keeping his messiahship a secret. He's just doing crowd control. But then when he's in a Gentile area like the gathering demoniac, he'll, he'll tell him, go home and tell what the Lord has done for you. And um, I, I think that's because in the Gentile community, you don't have that same response. That's really interesting. Yeah. Well, thank you again for those emails. And if you'd like to send a comment or question to us in the studio at michaelcard.com. Hey, Mike, in the second half in a moment, we're going to hear your teaching from the Cove in Asheville, which leads me to ask about your book, The Nazarene. Let's remind listeners about that one. Yeah, that's the newest one. And, uh, and actually, I got an email this morning from a woman who said, you know, did you realize there are 40 chapters in that book? So that that's the book she's using for the season of Lent. Which I thought, hey, we never oh, thought of that. Okay. Uh, but it's uh, 40 essays based on song <laughs> lyrics of the life of Jesus. Yeah, happy accident, so to speak. Uh, all right, well, we'll get to that teaching from Mike coming up in the second half. You're listening to In the Studio. And again, our email address, in the studio at michaelcard.com. More to come. The CSB Experiencing God Bible is this month's featured resource designed to help you take intentional steps to know God personally. This edition is based on the beloved book Experiencing God by Dr. Henry Blackaby. Find revised and updated insights that will challenge you to respond to God's offer to know Him. Search for the CSB Experiencing God Bible at csbible.com. When you visit online, see how the years of ministry, teaching, and spiritual insights of Dr. Henry Blackaby have been carefully presented to be a guide in your walk with the Lord. Be sure to use the special 40% discount on your CSB purchase through LifeWay. Type CARD40 with no caps, no spaces for your 40% discount with LifeWay. 
I hope you will act on this invitation to discover God in a personal and life-changing way. This study Bible will help you do just that. Search for CSB Experiencing God Bible now at csbible.com. Let's continue our Walk with Jesus series, Michael Card's teaching from the Cove in Asheville, North Carolina. We're in the Gospel of Luke this week, and Mike, why talk about the Pharisees at Easter time? Well, they're the, uh, uh, along with the, the Sadducees, the priests, they're the major players. Um, they, during, during the Passion Week, they come together uh, with the, the, the priests and the Sadducees. And, the, and the, by the way, these two groups really hate each other. <laughs> uh, the Pharisees represent, mm-hmm. you know, sort of where Judaism is going. The, the based in the synagogue and based in you know not sacrificial system, but based in studying the Torah. That's their that's this new innovation, and the Sadducees are the temple and sacrifices and what uh, the scholars call Israelite religion. And these two groups hate each other. But the point is, they hate Jesus more than they hate each other, and so they come together. Oh. They come together and uh, really plot his death during the Passion Week. That's why they're important. All right, well, let's dig a little deeper into this now as we turn to your teaching. But first, your song, Jesus, Lover of My Soul. Do you want to say anything about this well, song? Well, this is an old uh, Irish song. Uh, I, I, I think I first heard this song when I was in Ireland years ago. And um, it's just this wonderful heart response to the fact that uh, it, it's Jesus who initiates he reaches out to us. Jesus is the one who loves me. He loves my soul. And all I do is respond to him. And, uh, and it's just, it touches my heart that someone so very long ago, you know, resonated with the same idea. Jesus, lover of my soul, let me to thy bosom fly While the nearer waters roll, while the tempest still is high Hide me, O my Savior, hide, till the storm of life is past Safe into that haven guide, O receive my soul at last Other refuge have I none Hangs my helpless soul on thee Leave, oh, leave me not alone Still support and comfort me All my trust in thee is stayed All my help from thee I bring Cover my defenseless head With the shadow of thy wing Thou, O Christ, art all I want More than all in thee I find Raise the fallen, cheer the faint, heal the sick and lead the blind. Just and holy is thy name. I am all unrighteousness, false and full of sin am I. Thou art full of truth and grace. Just 
grace with thee is found, grace to cover all my sin. Let the healing streams abound, make and keep me pure within. Thou of life the fountain art, freely let me drink of thee. Spring thou up within my heart, rise to all eternity, rise to all eternity. We have this real overly simplistic, one-sided idea, Pharisees all bad, right? They're all bad. Well, that's not true. In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus has meal fellowship with Pharisees three times. Three times he's at their house eating. And two of those three meals are very congenial meals. Now, one of them doesn't go so well because the truth is he has problems with the Pharisees, right? So uh, that's what I wanted to... uh, That's what I wanted to look at. The three meals in Luke are 736, and that's uh, when the woman comes in and anoints Jesus' feet, and Simon the Pharisee is there, and he goes, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, Master. Very congenial meal, right? Simon the Pharisee. That's 736. Um, 1137 is the one that doesn't go so well. Uh, You know why? Because he doesn't wash his hands before the meal. And they don't like that. And it sort of degenerates. And he starts pronouncing woes against them. And by the end of that uh, passage, they're plotting to take his life. The plot begins. So meal number two doesn't go so well. 736, Luke. This is the first friendly meal. When one of the Pharisees invited him to eat with him, he entered the Pharisee's house and reclined. That's a very important detail. This is Hellenism. Okay, Leonardo da Vinci may be a great painter, but he got it all wrong. They're not sitting at a table. They're reclining. I usually get, this will be the first year I'm not going to do it. I don't, might not get back up. But imagine me reclining and you lean on your left elbow, right? Because this is your bathroom hand. Enough said. And you eat, you eat with your right hand. Okay. So Jesus is reclining, which explains why a woman can be standing behind him, and her tears fall on his feet. Okay? So this is, this is uh, important to get in your eyes. So Da Vinci, you know, not, not a bad painter, but, uh, <laughs> but he, got, he got it all wrong. <laughs> oh, me. So this is uh, a 736. Then one of the Pharisees invited him to eat with him. He entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And a woman in a town who'd been a, who was a sinner found out Jesus was reclining at the table at the Pharisee's house. She brought an alabaster jar of perfume. Now, I've got a, some perfume uh, jars over there. They're not alabaster. They're Roman glass. But you can get the idea if you look at those. Um, uh, and this is not Jean Nate or Brute or something like this. This is very uh, expensive perfume. It's a family heirloom. Her grandmother left it to her mother. Her mother left it to her. This is the most precious thing that she owns. Um, so she stood behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with her tears, wiped his feet with her hair, kissed them, and then anointed them with a perfume. It's spikenard. It's nard. It's a plant that grows in the foothills of the Himalaya. So very, you can imagine how expensive it is. When the Pharisees who invited him saw this, he said to himself, now that's a a clue in the New Testament that it's a bad person. 
Bad people think things to, them, to themselves. Okay, so just look for that. So he thought to himself, this man, if he were a prophet, would know who, what kind of woman, who and what kind of woman this is who's touching him. She's a sinner. Jesus replied to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. Isn't that nice? Not calling anybody a brood of vipers, not throwing anything. Very nice. He said, say it, teacher. See, very nice. And so he's going to tell a story. A creditor had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, the other 50. Since they could not pay it back, he graciously forgave them both. So which of them will love him more? Now Simon hears this. He goes, this is, I can do this, right? He's a Pharisee. Parables, this is my thing. So he hears the parable and he answered, I suppose the one who forgave more. You have judged correctly. Isn't it nice? Everything's so nice. You have judged correctly, he told him. Then turning to the woman, he said to Simon. Now, this is very important detail. He's looking at the woman who I'm guessing is standing back at his feet, but he's talking to Simon who's probably sitting next to him, okay? So turning to the woman, um, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? Now, why is that an important question? Because Simon had never seen her. What did he see? He saw a sinner. Simon, and let me encourage you, this is a really easy way to live your life. Just label people. It's so easy. You don't have to get to know them. You know, you just give them a label. You don't have to care about them. It's really easy. Unfortunately, Paul says all labels are off. Neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female, slave or free. All labels are off. What does that mean? That means we learn each other's names and we get to know people, and we don't label them by rich, poor, you know, black, white, yellow, male, female, Republican, Democrat. You know, we get to know each other, okay? So la- all labels are off. So, um, so do you see this woman? And Jesus is kind of unpacking the parable, isn't he? Um, I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she, with her tears, has washed my feet and wiped them with her hair, which is completely over the top. You gave me no kiss, but she hasn't stopped kissing my feet since I came in. You didn't anoint my head with olive oil, but she's anointed my feet with perfume. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. That's why she loved much, but the one who is forgiven little loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Those who were at the table with him began to say amongst themselves, see, that's a bad sign, who is this man who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you, go in peace. But I want you to notice there's not a violent response against him. What do they say? You know, those at the table began, who is this man who even forgives sins? They're not attacking him. They're not mad that he didn't wash his hands, you know. They're not saying only God forgives sins, get out of here. So I suggest to you that this is a a group of those Hillelite, Nicodemus, Joseph of Arimathea, Pharisees, who later become leaders in the church. So the Pharisees aren't all bad guys. So that's the the good meal. Uh, Let's look at the the bad one, just for fun. I'll act it out for you, that'll be fun. Uh, This is 1137. As he was speaking, a Pharisee asked him to dine with him. So he went in and reclined at the table. 
When the Pharisee saw this, he was amazed that he did not first perform the ritual washing before dinner. Now, understand, this, this is not washing your hands. This is anointing your hands. This isn't soap and hot water and this. This is simply pouring water over your hands. And if you go to Israel today, you go into, into any restaurant where Jewish people eat, there's a sink and there's a pitcher that has two handles. Okay? So what you do, my hands are dirty. The, the pitcher's full of water. I grab one handle with my dirty hand. I pour it over my, this dirty hand. Now it's clean. I grab the other handle that's clean with my clean hand, and I pour over my dirty hand, and I'm clean. Make sense? You're not really clean. You haven't really washed your hands, but you've... And Jesus apparently doesn't do that. And, uh, and my guess is he probably doesn't do that on purpose just to get under their skin, but that's, that's just me. That's just me. So when the Pharisees saw this, he was amazed that he did not first perform the ritual washing before dinner. But the Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you are full of greed and evil. See, feel, feel the meal kind of going south at this point? <laughs> Fools! Didn't he who make the outside make the inside too? But get what, uh, what is within to the poor, one of the pillars of piety, caring for the poor, and then everything will be clean to you. But woe, here come the woes, but woe to you Pharisees. You give a tenth of mint root and every kind of herb and you bypass justice and love for God. These things you should have done without neglecting others. Woe to you Pharisees. You love the front seat in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplace. Woe, you are like unmarked graves. The people who walk over them don't know it. So you become unclean and you, you don't know it. Okay? One of the experts in the law answered, Teacher, when you say these things, you insult us too. So, yeah. <laughs> what is that? He's asking for it, right? He's just asking for it. Then he said, Woe, he turns to them, Woe to you experts in the law. You load people with burdens that are hard to carry. He's talking about the oral law. And yet you yourselves don't touch these burdens with one of your fingers. Woe to you. You build tombs for the prophets and your fathers kill them. Therefore, you're witnesses that you approve the deeds of your fathers for they killed them and you build their monuments. Because of this, the wisdom of God said, I will send them prophets and apostles and some of them they will kill and persecute so that this generation may be held responsible for the blood of all the prophets since, uh, shed since the foundation of the world from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah who perished between the altar and the sanctuary. Yes, I tell you, this generation will be held responsible one more. Woe to you experts in the law. You've taken away the key to knowledge. You don't go in yourselves and you hinder those, hinder those who are trying to go in. When he left there, the scribes and Pharisees began to oppose him fiercely and to cross-examine him about many things. They apparently left with him and they're kind of arguing with him as he leaves. They were lying in wait to, uh, for him to trap him in something he said. And that begins this lengthy process we have in the Gospels of what I call trick and trap questions. They formulate these questions. Jesus can't say yes, and he can't say no. No matter what he says, he's going to get in trouble. And he outsmarts them every single time. You know, should I give taxes to Caesar or not? Well, he can't say yes, he can't say no, he's going to get in trouble. 
Well, no, he, he, uh, he outsmarts them every time. So now let's look at uh, the one in 14, the last congenial meal. And who knows, maybe this is Nicodemus' house. I'd like, to think, I'd like to think it is. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, sounds like Nicodemus to me, my, my academic reason is, I really want this to be Nicodemus, okay? <laughs> or maybe Joseph of Arimathea. Uh, he was being carefully watched. There in front of him was a man suffering from dropsy. Now, that is a medical term, the kind of medical detail we would expect from Luke, and I think this is only in Luke. And the, the Greek word is based on the, the word hudor, which means water. And my father was a doctor, and um, he had a pretty big library, and I was not supposed to go into this library uh, as a kid. You can imagine there are pictures in there. This is probably better for me not to see. So, of course, I went in there all the time when he wasn't there. And uh, <laughs> one day I looked up dropsy, and it's fluid that collects in, in the tissues, and it's, you know, gross. It's a bad thing. So this, imagine a person who's really disfigured. Okay, this isn't some like bad arthritis or something. This is a, this is a, com a complaint. He has fluid collecting uh, edema, the doctors would call it, right? Really bad edema. I think that's the right word. So a man suffering from dropsy. Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in the law, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? So it's the Sabbath. So C minor chord. But they remained silent. See, these are good guys. He's engaging with them, and he's going to give them friendly advice about where to sit at the meal. It's going to be okay. Don't worry. But they remained silent. So taking hold of the man, he healed him and set him, set him on his way. And Jesus doesn't get in trouble for healing him on the Sabbath. I, I, I misspoke the other day. I said there's only one miracle that he does on the Sabbath that doesn't get in trouble for. He doesn't get in trouble for this one. So there's two. Now that's a detail. And that's an important detail. And I just saw it today. So there you go. Um, then he asked him, by the way, you know, Friday, you're going to do this. Our last session together, you're gonna, we're going to ask everyone to share a detail from Scripture that maybe was new for you or uh, that you see a meaning in. And so be ready for that, okay? Because your, your entire grade is going to ba be based on that one presentation. You get your PhD from uh, the Cove. It's a... Okay, so, um, so he healed him and he, and he sent him away. Then he asked them, if one of you has a son or an ox that falls into a well, remember I told you that stipulation about how to figure out if you can do something on the Sabbath? If, you're, if a donkey, what, the example I heard was a donkey, if he falls in a hole or a well and there's water, you leave him in there because he's not going to die. But if it's dry, you can take him out on the Sabbath because you always choose the way that preserves life. Okay? And some people have said there's a connection to the well and the water and this man's condition, this swelling, water in his tissues. I don't know. I don't know. So that, that wall, uh, falls into a well on a Sabbath uh, day. Will you not immediately pull him out? And they had nothing to say. When he noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, remember, this is a congenial meal, and so Jesus is going to give them friendly advice on how not to be embarrassed at a feast by sitting in the wrong place, and this is based on Proverbs 25, 6 and following. He, he doesn't quote Proverbs. He thinks in Proverbs. You know what I'm saying? Uh, when he noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, 
Don't take the place of honor for a person more distinguished than you may have to be invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come to you and say, give this man your seat. He's given them friendly advice on how not to be embarrassed by sitting at the wrong place. Uh, not calling them brood of vipers, not throwing anything, you know. This is a congenial meal at a Pharisee's house. He's engaging with them. He's correcting them, but it's congenial. Give this man your seat. Then humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you're invited, take the lowest place so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all your fellow guests. And he's about to do something that, that is relatively new, that he, he will start between 9 and 19 in Luke. Uh, he's on his way to Jerusalem. In chapter 9, Jesus resolutely sets his face for Jerusalem. And 9 to 19 in Luke are just that final journey. And this is 14, so we're in the middle of that journey. And what Jesus begins doing, and I can, I've, I've looked at all these, I can give them to you. He begins speaking in maxims which I find interesting. Uh, he hasn't done that before. And by maxim, I mean he's summing things up in sort of this memorable one-word phrase. And so here's the first. I'm not sure if it's the first. This is one of the maxim. Four, who, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. That's a distilled truth. And you'll notice that he starts teaching this way. And I think it speaks of the urgency as they're getting close to Jerusalem. He's He's distilling and, and uh, concentrating his teaching, and it comes out in these maxims. Then Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or dinner, don't invite your friends, your, your brothers or relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may, may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor. Invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed Although you cannot repay, he cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Is not he who formed the ear worth the time it takes to hear? Should he who formed our lips for speaking be not heeded when he speaks? Will you not listen? Why won't you listen? God has spoken love to us. Why will you not listen? Listen to the sacred silence. Listen to the holy word. Listen as he speaks through living parables that must be heard. Parables that must be heard Will you not listen? Why won't you listen? God has spoken peace to us Why will you not listen? He spoke a word of flesh and blood Flesh and blood that bled and died let and die just to be heard How could you not hear this word? Why will you not hear this word? Will you not listen? Why won't you listen? 
God has spoken hope to us. How could you not listen? Why will you not listen? A fitting song from Michael that brings us to the end of this session in the studio. If our time together has been used by the Lord to aid in your spiritual preparations for Holy Week, please take a moment and pass along your comments to us. You can also share the link with a friend or post a review of this podcast. We're glad to point you to the wonderful resources from our sponsors at the Christian Standard Bible when you visit csbible.com. This month, we're featuring the CSB Experiencing God Bible. Based on the insights of Dr. Henry Blackaby's teaching, this unique study Bible is designed to help you develop a personal connection with God. When you visit csbible.com, search for the CSB Experiencing God Bible. When you order, use the promotion code CARD40, typed with caps and no spaces, to receive your 40% discount on CSB purchases through LifeWay. Look for the CSB Experiencing God Bible at csbible.com. And join us again next week for another podcast session. Now for Ron Davis, Susan Sermon, Lance Mansfield, and our producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepherd. We're all glad you've spent this time together with us in the studio with Michael Card.